0: Good morning, Faith. Happy Thanksgiving. You guys look uh, nice and warm today. That's good. Hope you're enjoying the holidays and you had a great Thanksgiving. This is my favorite time of the year. I love the uh, decorations, the lights, the music, the get togethers, and I even like the snow until around February, then I'm ready for spring. Let me be the first to wish you a Merry Christmas and Happy New Year. Today we're going to talk about Thanksgiving, but not the American holiday. We're going to focus on the act of giving thanks. The fruit of Thanksgiving. And yes, that's Pastor Matt. I couldn't help it. I had to to throw it out there. We're going to look at a story in Luke involving ten lepers and Jesus. That's Luke. Chapter 17, verses 11 through 19. In this pericope, <laughs> that's even more awkward the second time. We hear from Jesus himself on the topic of giving thanks, and it's quite enlightening. All right, here we go. I am named after my grandfather. He was Ben Witten. We called him Pampal. I was born early and with a heart condition. And while I was making my way into the world, Pampall was in the process of checking out, if you know what I mean, also due to a heart condition. So on his deathbed, he made my mom promise to name me Ben, after him, which she did. And to this day, my mom, Mimi, for those of you who know her, swears she didn't realize my name would be Benjamin Franklin, until it was too late. And I've suffered the consequences, I mean, I have since learned to appreciate the name. Pampaw, as it turns out, was not on his deathbed and lived for another 30 years. (laughs) (laughs) Pampaw is a pretty interesting man. Uh, He flew B-17s during World War II. His plane was nicknamed the Lady Margaret. A uh, month after he left Europe, they changed the name to Lady Catherine, and that's the last photo of that plane. It was shot down. Uh, the, the entire the entire next crew uh, was lost. These planes could level a city, and they were largely responsible for putting an end to the Second World War. Pampal was based out of southern England during the war, and he flew alongside the Memphis Belle, which is really neat if you guys are into that sort of thing why am I rambling about Pam well he used to talk about a pilot named Edward Rickenbacker an ace fighter pilot from World War I who was flying in a B-17 during World War II when the pilot had to ditch the plane in the middle of the Pacific Ocean the plane sank and the crew of eight ended up in a life raft in a few life rafts uh, tied together with four oranges for rations. There was a search and two weeks into the search the press pronounced them lost. Mrs. Rickenbacker, however, not so eager to become a widow convinced the authorities to continue searching and they found the crew almost by chance on day 21. All but one crew member survived. Here's what happened. As you can imagine, There were sharks, there was extreme weather, there was infighting amongst the crew, plus all of them were injured from the wreck. Food ran out during the first week. At that point, the pilot, Captain William Cherry, read a worship service from his pilot's manual, and they prayed for deliverance. Rickenbacker laid back in the raft, pulled his hat down over his head, and prepared for what was going to come, death or deliverance. That's when a miracle happened. That is, if you believe in miracles, like these guys did. Out of nowhere, a seagull landed on Rickenbacker's head in the middle of the ocean, dozens of hours from land. Well, he caught it, and they ate it. They used the parts that they didn't eat for bait to catch fish which allowed them to survive for another 16 days. Here's a picture of Rickenbacker in the raft, pointing to his hat. I'd like to spend a few weeks in that raft, in the ocean. It is written that every Friday evening, from his retirement until his death, Rickenbacker would walk a lonely stretch of eastern Florida seacoast with a bucket of shrimp, feeding the seagulls as a way of giving thanks to that one seagull that saved the crew of seven men. I love that story. So did Paul Harvey, for those of you who remember him. He talked about it on on his radio program years ago. Of course, we know that the seagull did not offer itself up for those men. (laughs) We know it made a tactical error when it landed on Rickenbacker's head. (laughs) But the point, however, is that Rickenbacker was so grateful that he dedicated one night for the rest of his life to demonstrate that gratitude by feeding seagulls. Here is a man who knows how to give thanks. And the story got me thinking, what do I do to give thanks? The answer, not much. Certainly not enough. I mean, yes, I thank people when they do good things for me. Uh, And I am grateful for the many gifts God gives me. But in terms of what I do, my actions, that's quite a different story. And I do think about giving thanks, a lot. I thank God all the time in my, in my head. But is that enough? I often thank God when good things happen. But when bad things happen, it throws me off. Then I don't know if I should be thankful or... If I should just kind of ignore the situation is confusing. So I wondered what the Bible taught about this issue, and wouldn't you know it, the answer to my question was everywhere in Scripture. But for some reason, I honed in on the story in Luke's Gospel. It involved ten lepers who were cured, but weren't very grateful. You know, I'm beginning to think all the answers to life's questions are right here in the Bible. So before we take a look at Luke's Gospel, a question. Do you ever give thanks? Do you thank people when they compliment you or do nice things for you? Do you thank God for good things? Chances are you do. At least some. But maybe you struggle sometimes like I do. Maybe you take credit. You take the glory when good things happen. And maybe you blame others. Or you blame God. Bad things happen. Maybe the way you think people or God is perfunctory or superficial. Mine sometimes are. But I don't know your situation. Maybe you kind of feel like you deserve all the good things that happen. And that's just the way it is. It's human nature to act that way. We are all wretched sinners just like Paul says about himself in his letter to the Romans wretched sinners with corrupt hearts if we weren't we wouldn't need a savior and guess what after we're saved we still sin at least I do do you wonder what your life would be like if you figured it all out well that will never happen But what if you got to the place where you knew God was pleased with you? Let me put it this way. If you knew Jesus was happy with you, uh, that the things you did made Him look upon you with favor, would that change you? Would it change you? What if Jesus appeared in this room and looked at you and said, You give me thanks and praise, and I find favor with you? Would traffic irritate you after that? Would an ice storm irritate you? Would an argument be devastating? No. Those things would not have the power that they may have now because Jesus would be pleased with you. And that would trump any and everything going on in your life. That would change your life forever. Now, don't get me wrong trials will come. Life will break your heart. The world will chew you up and spit you out. People will lie to you. They will insult you. They will falsely accuse you. They will hurt you. They will mock you, laugh at you, and on and on. And guess what? If you're in this sanctuary right now, they already are. And they already do. You have countless enemies, both human and spiritual, Who have a visceral hatred for you because of your relationship with Christ? That's life as a disciple. Welcome to the club. That's what happens when you decide to follow Christ. To me, it's a badge of honor. But when you respond to Christ with true thanksgiving and gratitude, He will be pleased with you. And when you realize Christ is pleased with you, this world can do whatever it wants you will be on a different plane. You will have sadness and disappointment, but your foundation will be one of joy and hope. Amen? My goal today is that you leave here knowing, confident, that if you give thanks and praise to Christ, He will be pleased with you. And that will make a huge difference in your life. And I'm going to give you a tool that you can hold in your hand. Uh, that will help you put things in perspective. But it will require work on your part. And remember, giving thanks and praise to Christ does not equate with salvation. Only by acknowledging Jesus, repenting of your sins, and submitting to Him will you be saved. Today's message is about giving thanks to Jesus for what He did for us and what He continues to do for us every second of every day. Let's take a look at the passage in Luke 17, 11 through 19. It's about 150 words. Just a great story with insight into the mind of our Lord. I'm going to read the whole passage. While he was on the way to Jerusalem, he was passing between Samaria and Galilee. As he entered a village, ten leprous men stood at a distance to meet him. And they raised their voices saying, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. And when he saw them, he said to them, Go show yourselves to the priest." And as they were going, they were cleansed. Now one of them, when he saw he had been healed, turned back, glorifying God with a loud voice. He fell on his face at his feet. at Jesus' feet. Giving thanks to him. And he was a Samaritan. Then Jesus answered and said, Were there not ten cleansed? But the nine, where are they? Was no one found who returned to give glory to God except this foreigner? So, a pretty straightforward account of an historical event. Ten lepers were cured, one comes back to give thanks, and Jesus clearly is not impressed with the other nine who did not come back. But let's look just a little deeper. This passage comes at the end of a grouping of stories Jesus tells concerning a variety of topics. Hypocrisy in chapter 12, repentance in chapter 13, God's love for sinners in chapter 15, and wealth in chapter 16. The passage in chapter 17 deals with gratitude, proper gratitude. I mean, obviously, the Samaritan was grateful for being healed, and he returns to give thanks to Christ, right? there's a lot to consider here starting with Jesus coming to this area he comes to those men and one is a Samaritan now Samaritans were not the chosen people they would fall under the Gentile umbrella they were non-Jews yet Jesus came to them and what Luke is showing us here among other things is that something new is happening the Christ, God among us, is reaching out to all mankind. This is big. The door is opening to everyone, not just the Jews. So, what about these 10 lepers outside the city? Well, lepers were not allowed in the city because when you let lepers in the city, the city died. Leprosy was a death sentence. And it was communicable, it spread person to person. Leprosy is entirely curable today with antibiotics, but back then, no antibiotics. So if you had leprosy, chances are you were going to die. You were ostracized from whatever community you were in. It didn't matter who you were, where you were from, or what you believed. We can see that in this grouping of ten men one's a Samaritan, nine are Jews. Jews and Samaritans did not associate with each other. They did not live together. They did not like each other. Yet here is a Samaritan, a a Gentile, living and associating with a, a group of Jews. Chosen people Jews. This is significant in the story because it places the Jew and Gentile together. Ostracized, cut off from everyone and everything. Relying entirely on Christ to save them. The men raise their voices and, and call for mercy from a distance. That's because if you were a leper and you approached the wrong person, you would find yourself dead. Lepers did not approach non lepers. And Jesus responds Go show yourselves to the priests. I, I found that odd. It was strange. I thought maybe Jesus would say, I heal you or be healed, something along those lines. But instead, go see the priests. But that corresponds with Leviticus fourteen. And that's a Jewish protocol that lepers follow when they were clean, when they were when they were healed. They went to the priests, and there's a ritual that the priest performs before the priest could certify the leper clean. He was allowed to go back into the community at that time. But that was after they were healed or cured. These Jewish lepers would understand. Jesus was saying to them, Go see the priests. You're going to be healed. That's the implication. And they demonstrate some degree of faith that Jesus could do that. But not necessarily the faith in Jesus as a Savior. And they were cured, all ten of them. The Samaritan, when he realizes... He's cured. He turns back, falls at Christ's feet, glorifies God, and gives thanks. Luke points out that the one man who came back, Samaritan. The nine Jews did not. The Samaritan realized the gift he had been given was uh, incredible, amazing, and he's exceedingly grateful. This is reminiscent of the story in Luke 7 about the woman. You probably remember she she cried on Jesus' feet and she dried his feet off with her hair. And Jesus says to Peter about that, He who is forgiven little, loves little. That woman realized the significance of the gift Jesus gave her. The Samaritan leper realized the gift Jesus gave him. And his reaction was appropriate. In contrast, the Jewish lepers, even though they were outcasts and fully in need of being healed, just like the woman, and just like the Samaritan, they were more than happy to accept Jesus' gift. But when all is said and done, they were no closer to Christ or the kingdom than they were before. They took their gift and were gone. And they didn't come back to give the Lord thanks. They didn't appreciate what Jesus did for them. In their minds, they received little, and they loved little. Whereas the Samaritan realized the greatness of Christ's gift and demonstrated the right type of response, the right type of gratitude. That's the kind of gratitude that we need to express. Jesus seems taken aback that these nine Jews did not return. Of course, we know that he knew what was going to happen. And we know the rest of the story. And the notion that God's chosen people would disregard what Christ offers doesn't really shock us today. We know the Jews turned them over to be crucified. I just find it shocking personally, on a human level, that nine leprous men who were healed did not return to give thanks. Can you imagine the arrogance? The story points to salvation and the fact that everyone Jew and Gentile alike can only be saved by Christ. And He went to the Jew and Gentile offering that salvation. He went to them. And He comes to you. Christ's reaction that He seems to be taken aback that the Jews didn't return to give Him thanks confirms that the Samaritan reaction is right that it's pleasing. Jesus tells the man, stand up and go. Your faith has made you well. So what's the point of the message? Well, the point is simple. Give proper thanks and gratitude to God for what He has done. That's what He wants. That's what He deserves. And a few moments ago, I mentioned the arrogance of those Jews. I was being facetious because... I've done the exact same thing, and have taken my salvation for granted. Maybe that's been the case with you as well. I want to back up for just a second. I don't want to confuse anyone. If you are saved, your life has already changed. You may not realize that. You may not feel it. And you may be getting in the way of what God is trying to do in your life. I've done that sometimes. But you have already begun eternity fully justified by God. You're in. And that is only by the grace of God. That's the salvation part. If you are saved, you are saved. But, you can be more pleasing to the Lord now, here, on earth. And that is what we're talking about today. One of the ways to do that. Give thanks to Him. And here's why it's important, why it's critical to do so. Because Jesus says to. It's what He wants us to do. Remember what Christ asked. Was no one found who returned to give glory to God? We are supposed to give thanks. And that's the big idea. Give thanks to God for who He is and what He has done. When you do that, your focus is on God and others and not on yourself. You won't have time to be self-absorbed. You'll be too busy being thankful and building others up. Now this requires a total paradigm shift, a total worldview shift. It's no small thing. It can't be done without prayer and effort. Do you wonder why Paul wasn't afraid of death? Or why Stephen preached the gospel knowing that he might be martyred for it? Or why countless followers of Christ march headlong into martyrdom? You wonder why Ray Killam preaches the gospel to everyone he meets, including me. I'm like Ray, I'm already saved. Did <laughs> so, you know something I don't know? Or do you wonder why there's something about Pastor Matt that's just different? It comes from another place. Or why those godly prayers just kind of flow from Pastor Brent when he's up here doing worship? It's not because they're perfect. It's because they're so thankful for what God has done in their lives. And they live to please Him. All these people give thanks and praise to the Lord constantly. And that pleases the Lord. And when you know that God is pleased with you, all the weight in the world just rolls right off your back. But remember, Jesus Himself was persecuted. You will be too. I'm not telling you that if you're thankful to God, that you'll be completely insulated from all the destruction of the world. That couldn't be further from the truth. I'm telling you that when God is standing beside you in all that you do, you are in a good place. A very good place. So let's get practical. What does it look like to give thanks so we can know the Lord is pleased with us? It's easy. And don't write these down. You already know them. First, we pray. We tell God thank you for everything. Not just the good stuff. Thank God for unanswered prayers. Thank God for exceptions. Last week, one of my new tires went flat on the van. Jack broke, of course. Uh, First thing in the morning. A few hours later, leaving the tire shop, I saw a teenage girl kind of hidden on the back of the building. It's raining. She's sitting on the ground. She's soaked. She looks distressed. Uh, I thought it probably wasn't a good thing for a creepy old man to approach her, so I called inside, and they sent some employees out to chat with her. Did God use that situation, my flat tire, to reach that girl? Or maybe to involve those employees? Can you see God working in that way? the Apostle Paul wrote, Rejoice always, pray without ceasing. In everything, give thanks. In everything, give thanks. For this is God's will for you in Jesus Christ. So be thankful. Because you never know what's going on behind the scenes. And the second thing is, thank out loud. Not think. Think out loud. Tell people that you're thankful for what they do. And tell people how you're thankful for God for what He's doing worship out loud sing praise Him fall on your face and thank Him just like the leper did these are a few of the ways that you can demonstrate that you can show thanks when people see you doing these things they become intrigued and encouraged and you become a light to the world There's a blank index card in the seat back in front of you. Go ahead and grab that and grab a pen. Let me give you something to do here. This will take five minutes and we'll wrap things up. On one side, I'm going to have you write the following words. God, neighbors, life, and salvation. I was going to add family and have you list the names of everyone in your family and but uh Pastor Brent was like dude seriously That's a joke. Pastor Brent gave me permission to say that. All right, I want you to do I'm going to ask you to do two things with this card. First, for one week till next Sunday any time you think about God or an event happens, good or bad, or when you're angry or upset or mad or depressed or when you go to bed, look at these four things and give thanks to God for them. I want to go through them real quick. God, thank him for his creation. Thank him for who he is and what he's done for you. Neighbors, look to your right, look to your left, look at the person next to you. That's your neighbor. Your wife, your husband, your children, your family—those are your neighbors. Your neighbors are your neighbors, and strangers are your neighbors. Thank God for neighbors. If we had no neighbors, this would be an incredibly dull life. In fact, there'd only be one of us, I guess. Life uh, always—I always thank God when I wake up that I'm not dead. You should too. You can thank God for the 23,000 breaths you take every day. And yes, that's factual. I got it from the internet. <laughs> thank God for your brain, for your legs, for your wheelchair, for your medicine, whatever. If you're alive, you can make some difference. So thank Him for your life. Salvation. Salvation. If you're not saved... You probably won't be doing any of these prayers, but I recommend that you try. If you are saved, then thank God every day, every chance you get for your salvation, that you're not going to spend an eternity in hell where unspeakable horrors await those who reject Christ. You can just say, Lord, thank you for saving me. Simple. I start my evening prayers with that, usually on my face, on the floor second thing to do on the card Uh, on the blank side I got a lot of chuckles after I said this from the first service write out every complaint that you have for one day starting today but don't take our pens if you think it or say it or act out a complaint write it down you won't have time to write sentences just you know abbreviate And tomorrow night, before you go to bed, compare and contrast the two sides just to get a perspective into where your mind is, where your energy is going, what you're thinking, what you're worried about. And look, this is not about you being a bad person or you being a complainer. We all complain. We all complain to God in our own ways. We all grumble sometimes. The goal is to increase our thanksgiving to God. So that He will be pleased. Because that's what Thanksgiving is all about. I'm going to ask my good buddy Jim to come up. he be closing us in prayer. If you knew the Lord was happy with you, that He was pleased with you, that He was excited about what you are doing, would that change your outlook on life? Would it change what you do each day? how you interacted with people. And if all it took to realize Christ was happy with you was for you to give thanks and praise to Him, would it be worth it? Would it be worth your time to be more thankful every day? Can you imagine if everyone in this church was thankful and thereby pleasing to Christ? Now imagine everyone in this room, including you, knew that Jesus was pleased with them. That Jesus had their back. That He had your back. Well, guess what? If you are saved and you give the Lord thanksgiving and praise, then He will be pleased with you. And He will have your back. And when that is the case you will let your light shine for the whole world to see. That is how you attract people and bring them to the Lord. That is how you live as a disciple of Christ. And that is how you know God is with you. And if God is with you that makes you unstoppable. Happy Thanksgiving. Jim. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we come to you this morning. We thank you for a message that challenges each of us in areas of our life, both the good, the bad, and the ugly. Father, we thank you that we uh, have so many things to be thankful for. Most of all, God... It's your son, Jesus, the sacrifice that he made on our behalf. Father, if there's somebody here today who does not know you as Savior, I pray, O God, that they yield their life to Christ, confess that they are sinners just like I am, redeemed by the blood of Christ and saved, O God. I just pray in Jesus' name. That person, oh God, will yield the life to you this morning. Amen.